All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? It's good to see you guys in the house. Thanks so much for being here at our Florence campus. So good to see you all here. Can we show some love and welcome everybody at our Lawrenceburg campus, our Shoals campus, everybody watching online. So good to have you guys with us. Again, if you're a VIP or your first time with us, thanks so much for joining us. For all of us, come on, we said every, every week that we believe that Jesus, come on, who is he? He's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe if you'll open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. How many of you already know that's true? Come on, let's make some noise for a good God. Come on, let's give him our best praise just for a minute. Well, listen, before we jump into the message, um, we started uh, making these available. I believe at the last series, people were asking for something to take notes. I know some of you are note takers and maybe some of you are not. I would encourage you to use something. You don't have to write down everything I say or every verse we go through, but maybe just something that God puts in your heart, a word that God speaks to you. Sometimes to write that down and to remember it and to be able to go back to it is really life-changing. It's a part of our spiritual journey. So we made these three-ring binders available as a way to keep notes. Every single Sunday when you come in, there are note sheets available. These are free. You'll find them in the breezeways, the entranceways. You can take all you want, but use all you take. Come on, somebody. So don't take three sheets and fill one. But those are available. You can get these. They're $5 out there. Or you can just use an envelope because some of you do that or whatever. You write on your spouse, whatever. But write something down that the Lord's speaking to you and believe it'll change it. Anybody have, need one of these, don't have one? Anybody? You can come get it. Who, right here? Hey, now you got to take notes. It comes obligation. Hey, <laughs> well, hey, listen. Um, how many people are beach people? You, it's your thing to go to the beach, right? Whether it's Orange or Panama City or all, wave at me at all of our campuses. Come on. So here's what you know. You know this is true, and I know it's true. Again, if you're going especially to the Gulf Coast, if you're coming home, you're going to hit some traffic, which is really ironic because you've gotten away, you're refreshed, your blood pressure's down, and then you get unsaved all over again coming home fighting the traffic. I mean, there's just nothing worse than it. Well, my wife and I, we had the opportunity several weeks ago to get away. We went to the beach and it's off season. So like we didn't have to wait in line to eat. We didn't have to fight anybody to get our spot. Like we sat where we wanted, ate when we wanted. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing. We just thanked the Lord for a great opportunity. And so coming home, I was under the uh, foolish assumption that we wouldn't hit any traffic. And uh, it was a foolish assumption because not long into the journey, we started coming up on a traffic jam. Now, here's probably the worst part of this is I have a navigation system in my car, probably like some of you do, and my navigation system tried to warn me of what was ahead and tried to tell me to exit off a side road. Now, I have this thing. I do some things well in life. One of the things I don't do well is geography and directions. Like, I have no natural sense of direction. If you're with me, we will get lost. We will take the long way. We will miss turns. And so when the navigation system is trying to convince me to get off here to avoid the traffic jam ahead, I'm good at math. So immediately I had a conflict between my geography and my geometry because I'm looking at the map saying, no, this thing's wrong. It'll be easier and quicker if I stay on 65 rather than rerouting all along. And so I stubbornly stayed on the route that it tried to get me to avoid. Now, here's what you need to know is, I, since I didn't do what it said, I hit the traffic it said I was going to hit. And uh, you need to know this through this whole mess. So I want you to catch this. If, if I would have changed my mind 
I would have changed my direction. If I would have allowed the information of the navigation system, if I would have been convinced what it was saying it was true, I would have missed some trouble. I would have missed some heartache. I'd have missed some Christian cussing. I could have missed a traffic jam if I would have listened to the navigation system. If it would have changed my mind, I would have changed my direction. Now, this morning, we're starting a brand new series entitled Re. Come on, everybody say Re. Re, because there are several words in the New Testament that describe our spiritual journey, that talk about who we are as Christ followers. And these four words, what they have in common is they all have the prefix R-E or Re. And so these words we're going to look at for the next several weeks, words like remember, renew, remain. And today we're going to talk about this word to repent. Come on, the count of three, let's say that together. One, two, three. Just tell your neighbor, go ahead and tell them right now, just repent. They they may act like they ain't got nothing, but they're about to find out. Repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. Now, again, the, the word that we're looking at, all four of these words have the prefix re. Now, a prefix is a group of letters that come before a word. It enhances the word or requalifies the word. And the prefix re, when it's added to a word, what it means is to come back to something. It means to do something once again or again and again, which means when you talk about remember, there are some things that you and I have forgotten that God wants us to remember again. There are some things that we have walked away from that God brought into our life, God called us to, and we walked away from it, and God calls us to embrace it again. There are some things that were not in our life that we chose to walk towards, and now we've walked away, and God wants us to re-engage again. Some of us, we experienced God at one time in our life. We knew his presence. We walked in his presence, and we're just not there. And I want you to know something. God wants you to be renewed again. Everybody shout again. Again. So through this series... We're going to look at what it means to experience God in these four words again. Now, here's what I know is true. The word repentance, probably when I said the word repent, some of you got nervous because you thought, oh man, I'm in one of those churches. Because the word repent, if you're new to church, you don't have a history with the word, but if you've been in church for a while, probably your idea of the word repent is a guy on the platform like me screaming at people like you, telling you to stop it, to change your behavior. To repent. And I want you to hear this. The reason some people say that, some preachers yell that, repent, because they think it means to change your behavior. If you're taking notes today, I want you to hear this. This is important, so important. Repent does not mean to change your behavior, but to change your mind. Let me say that again. If preachers stood on platforms yelling at you to change your behavior, that's not what the word repent means. The word repent does not mean to change your behavior. What's it mean? To change your to change the way you think. And the reason this is important is because the word or the message, repent, is found throughout the Bible. In fact, when you look at, uh, when you look at the Bible all the way through from what Jesus preached to the disciples, on and on and on, it all comes back to this word, this call on the lives of people to repent. I just want to read a couple of these verses so we see this. In Matthew chapter three is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner or the guy who came before Jesus to set the table for Jesus and his ministry. And this is what he said. John the Baptist said this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Come on, what did he say? He said, come on, y'all gotta help me. This is a helper sport here. What did he say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You go on, Matthew 4, 17, what did Jesus say? So John the Baptist came saying it, the message of Jesus. What did Jesus preach? 
I think it's important to know if we're gonna live and be the people Jesus called us to be, then we gotta know what it is that Jesus called us to know. And here's his message, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, he began to preach and say what? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not just John the Baptist, not just Jesus, but when you read the gospels, you find Jesus bringing people into his ministry and then sending them out. You see him over and over again sending disciples out to heal the way he healed, to teach the things he taught, and to preach the way he preached. Well, if Jesus taught repent, what do you think the disciples taught? Repent. repent. Thanks. I appreciate that one person. Me and you, we're going to do this thing together. <laughs> Mark 6, 12. Come on, somebody. So they went out, the disciples and preached that the people should on the first day, right after Jesus' death and resurrection into the book of Acts, which is the history of the church after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the message that the apostle Peter preached right here, Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So the message was repent. What does that mean? When John the Baptist looked at groups of people and said, repent, what did it mean? When Jesus stood in front of groups of people and said, repent, what did he mean? When the disciples stood up and preached in front of people and said to people like you and people like me, people like us, repent, what did it mean? It did not mean change your behavior. Listen, this is so important. What John, what Jesus, what Peter, what all the disciples meant was this, change your mind about how you think you have a relationship with God. Because what we think oftentimes is the way we have a relationship with God is we perform our way into him loving us. That if you're good enough, he'll love you. If you do enough, he'll accept you. If you come to church enough, read enough, uh, read your Bible enough, pray enough, fast enough, help people enough, that if you do enough, you can be good enough to have a relationship with a good God. Because up to that time, people, Jews, were living underneath the old covenant, the law, and their thing was, if I keep the law, I'm in covenant with God. As long as I keep the law, I'm good enough. And here's, here's what we find out is, Paul said this, that the law was never meant to make us good. The law was always intended to show us we're broken. The more we try to not lie, cheat, steal, lust, hate, get bitter, get angry, get frustrated, Christian cuss, the more we try not to do it, we shouldn't do it, we realize, I don't know about you, but I realize sometimes I still do it. Sometimes I still think what I shouldn't think, do what I shouldn't do, say what I shouldn't say. So for the Jews who kept saying, the way we have a relationship with God, the way we're good enough to connect with our creator is we become good enough. We do enough good stuff. And John showed up and said, repent, change your mind. That's not how you do it. Jesus showed up and said, what? Repent. Come on, y'all got to help me. What did he say? Repent. Change your mind about the way you view a right relationship with God. And the reason this is important is because, again, it's, it's not by you keeping the law. It's not by you being a good person. It's by Jesus being a good savior. Your salvation is never based on what you do. It's always based on what Jesus has already done. It's not how good you are. It's how good he is. It's not what you can accomplish. It's what Jesus has already accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Repent. Change your mind about how you think you have a relationship with God. This is important because I have conversations with people on the regular, and maybe have an opportunity to share my faith with them. And inevitably, what we point to, to know, am I good enough? Can I go to heaven? Can I have a relationship with God? What we look at is, have I done enough good to outweigh my bad? My grandfather, I had the opportunity to lead him to Jesus before he passed away. This is probably 15 years ago. And when I first started sharing Jesus with him, this is what he told me. 
When I told him, hey, you need, Jesus said you need to be born again. You need to accept Jesus as, a, as your savior. You know what he said? I'm a good person. He fought in World War II in the Calvary. Some people had tanks. He got a horse. Seems unfair. <laughs> fought in World War II, was wounded in World War II. He was a good father, raised successfully eight kids who grew up to be good people, good moral people. He retired after 40 years from a job and he would look at all of who he was, what he did. And he said this, I'm a good person. What he was saying was, I don't need to change my mind. I'm thinking, right, if I'm good enough, I can have a relationship with God. And when Jesus came, he said, repent, change your mind about the way you think about salvation. It's not based on your works. It's based on God's grace. It's not based on what you can do. It's based on what Jesus has done. Come on. What's the word? Repent. Now I got a, I got a new favorite TikTok channel. And set that set in. Come on. Some of you don't even have a favorite. You just kind of scroll through for till you fall asleep at night. At least I got something I'm looking at. And it's a, it's a, it's a TikTok channel on uh, psychology experiments. And it's, it, it's fascinating to me they're old experiments because it looked like they were all filmed in like the 70s and 80s, or they need new cameras at the place they're doing these experiments. One, most of them are with kids, which just is fascinating to me to see how they think. Some of the psychology experiments are with animal, or with, uh, with adults, but some of them are with animals. And there's one that I just saw that I thought was kind of cool. And what they did is they took a group of chimpanzees and they took some food and put it underneath a large rock. And they put a handle, four handles on the side of this rock. And the chimpanzees had to figure out which way to pull the rock so they could get to the food. And they, ultimately, they were shown if you pull, you could only pull north. And then every day for two weeks, they put the food twice a day underneath the rock. The chimpanzees, they figured out if I want to move the stone to get to the food, I got to pull north. Well, then they flipped the script. And they changed it, and then you could only pull the handle south. If you pulled it north, east, or west, the stone wouldn't move. And what they wanted to see was, could these chimpanzees, could they think differently to realize if I want to eat, I got to do something different? And they could never figure it out. Every time they came out, they would pull north, and that stone wouldn't move. The reason I tell you that is some of you have been trying to pull the stone of your sin out of the way by how good you are. And you can pull and tug and push and get your friends involved and get your buddies involved. You can go to the right church and read the right translation, and you will never move the stone of your sin. What you've got to realize is that Jesus moved it 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. He covered us. He washed us. He renewed us. That's the only way. And if you're thinking it's some other way, Jesus said, repent. John the Baptist said, the disciples said, Peter said, Paul said, the message of the Bible is the only way you can ever be good enough to have a relationship with God is to stand on what Jesus has already done for you, to repent. If you're taking notes, salvation is not a reward to be earned. It's a gift to be received. Let me say that again. Salvation is not a reward to be earned. It's a gift to be received. If you're trying to earn it, I just need to do a little more. I need to be a little better. And if I do enough, God will love me. You can never do enough to earn the love of God. Jesus already did it for you. And so Jesus goes on. And again, it's, so you got to change the way you think. If we're going to walk in a relationship with God, you got to change the way you think about who you are. You got to change the way you think about God. You got to change the way you view salvation or relationship with God. Here's what Jesus said. This is such a great verse. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, listen to this. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Who needs it? Sick people. Now, 
If you're going to go to the doctor, now some of you, you could be dying and you still won't go to the doctor because you read uh, WebMD and you're going to be all right, right? You talk to some buddies, you ask on Facebook and they diagnosed you. But at the end of the day, if you're going to go, you're going to get dressed and go to the doctor's office and wait through the waiting room. And you know, I don't care if you've been there 15 times, you have to fill some more paperwork out. I think they want me to leave at that point. And you're going to sit back and then they're going to make you go sit back in a waiting room on a table. You don't know how many people have sat on the paper you're sitting on. I know you think it's new, but it's always a little wrinkle, which means someone's rear end was on that. (laughs) Sit on the table and you wait and then you don't even get to see the doctor. Let's be honest. You're going to see a nurse practitioner. You're paying doctor rates, but seeing nurse practitioners. I ain't saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. So don't get mad. And then they're going to come out and they're going to, then you're going to get probably some kind of prescription. Then you got to go to Publix or wherever you go. And then you got to wait in line. If you're going to go through all that, you ain't going to go through that unless you really believe you're sick. You got to be convinced you're sick or you won't go to the doctor. Here's what Jesus said. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. What's his point? Here's his contrast. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. He is contrasting healthy people with sick people to the same way there's a contrast between righteous people and sinful people. You got to repent in the way you think. You got to change your mind. If you came up and you think you're good enough, you're better than most people. I'm not as, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. Then you got to change the way you think. Because what you're saying is I'm not sick enough to need a doctor. And if you're not sick enough to need a doctor, you'll never go seek the doctor. And Jesus, he's not just a judge. He's the great physician. And if we'll realize how broken we are, and how awesome he is, we will run to him and he will heal us and restore us and forgive us and make us his children. But you'll never do that as long as you think wrong about who you are and who he is. And we live in a world right now, unfortunately, I don't think much has changed in 2000 years where we just naturally revert back to, am I good enough? Some of you walked into this room or you walked into Lawrenceburg, you walked into Shoals and you weren't even sure you could sing because you thought about some stuff you said this morning. You thought about some things you did and you felt like, man, who am I to sing? Who am I to worship? Who am I to pray? God ain't gonna hear me. What you're doing is you're naturally reverting back to how good you think you've been to love Jesus and for him to love you. And Jesus would say to that mindset, repent, change the way you think about how you have a relationship with God. There's a verse found in the book of Hebrews. I want us to check out Hebrews chapter 12. Because the way our spiritual journey, the way our relationship with God starts isn't just with repenting in the beginning, but repentance should be a part of our spiritual journey. Come on, y'all should be repenting on the regular. You should be repenting. I should be repenting on a regular basis. We should keep coming back to what started us in this journey, and that's Jesus. What got me here is going to keep me here, and it's not me, it's him. Notice what he says. This is, this, to me, this is a great verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, come on, y'all read this with me. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially, come on, y'all say the next two words loud. Especially what? Especially what? The sin. Not a sin, not sin in general, but I want you to notice the writer Hebrews, he's talking about something very specific. He's talking about what? The sin. The sin that so easily trips us up. He's saying, listen, this thing we're doing, it's like a race. 
And if you're going to finish your race, you got to deal with some stuff that's holding you back. And he's saying the number one thing that trips us up as Christ followers is the sin. Here's the question. What's the sin? What is the sin? I would say if you grew up in church or you've heard this verse, probably some preacher told you that the sin is the sin you deal with the most. And that's not it. You want to know what the worst sin is? Because it's the sin that he's talking about. You know the worst sin you can commit? There is one. The worst sin you can commit, the sin that he's saying is easily holding us back. The mess that we deal with the most is the sin of self-righteousness, is the sin of thinking you can be good enough. Because if you think you're good enough, you'll never go to the great physician to get healed. And if you don't go to the great physician to get healed, you're going to live your life spiritually sick and disconnected from the one who loves you. Come on, somebody. It's the sin. And the way I know that is because just before Hebrews chapter 12 is Hebrews chapter 11, because that's how it goes. I taught y'all something about the Bible. It's in, it's in order. In Hebrews chapter 11, anybody who knows Hebrews, and maybe some of you don't, most of you may not, Hebrews chapter 11, what is the subject of Hebrews chapter 11? Anybody know? Faith. What is it? One, two, three. Faith. How I know that is because Hebrews 11 verse one gives us the definition of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's not based on our works. We are saved based on our faith in God's grace. It is the book of faith. After it gives us the definition of faith, it gives us the hall of faith. All of these great, incredible spiritual leaders who accomplished so many great works for God. But every great work they did, they point to the fact that they didn't do it by the works. They did it by faith. By faith, Abraham did. By faith, Gideon did. By faith, Deborah did, which means we live our life not based on our works, but based on faith. And now because of faith, you get to Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, people who lived by faith. And it says this, watch this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So the first sin you got to deal with and the sin you got to keep dealing with is the sin of self-righteousness. Sometimes we have a habit. Somebody help me here. Have you ever found yourself going back to an earning attitude instead of living in a receiving attitude? Like you start measuring yourself again. How did I do this week? How am I doing right now? Feeling like, am I good enough? If you think you're letting God down and God doesn't love you, you are committing the sin of self-righteousness because you're looking at who you are and what you can do rather than who Jesus is and what he's already done. Condemnation is a sign you need to, re need to repent. Condemnation is a sign you need to repent. If you have given your life to Jesus and you're dealing with shame and guilt and a spirit of condemnation, a spirit of God doesn't love me, a spirit of you got to hold your head down. If you're dealing with a spirit of condemnation, it is a sign that you need to repent because you have changed your mind back to an old way of thinking of measuring how good you are. You need to change your mind and get back to measuring how good God is. Not based on what you have done. Come on, I'm gonna keep saying it, but based on what Jesus has already accomplished for you, you need to repent. You need to repent. I need to repent. I find myself sometimes looking at, am I good enough? I go through seasons that I don't live what I think I should live. I go through seasons that I don't always do what I know I should do. I go through times in my life that I'm not always the person that I know God wants me to be. Come on. I say the stuff I shouldn't have said. 
I tell the joke I shouldn't have told because it was funny enough and now I done involved you in my sin. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I probably shouldn't tell it, but it's pretty funny. Did y'all hear about the one? No, I'm just kidding. Come on, I've been there. And then I start looking at it like, man, I messed up my relationship with God because I look at my week, I look at my day, I look at the season I'm in and I start measuring my failures. My failures bring condemnation because I'm not the person I know I should be. And since I'm not doing what I should be doing, then maybe God doesn't love me anymore. That is the sin. That's the stuff we got to deal with. We got to get out of an earning mentality and get into a receiving mentality. Salvation is a gift that a good God secured on the cross and gave us. All we got to do is say yes and we're his for Ever. But, 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 there's a big but today. I already said it that the word repentance means to change your mind. It does not mean to change your behavior. It means to change your mind. But if you change your mind, you will change your behavior. If I was convinced that my navigation system was correct in telling me that I should have gotten off rather than staying on 65, had I really believed that, I would have gotten off at 65 and followed the path. But the fact that I refused to believe the navigation system, I stayed on my path. And when you refuse to hear what God says, you will stay on your path. But when you hear what he says, you won't just change the way you think. You'll change the direction you're going in life. Come on, somebody. Some of us in this, need, in this room, we need to change. In Lawrenceburg and Shoals, we need to change not just our mind, but our direction because one always leads to the other. Notice Hebrews, it says this, it says, it's, there's not just the sin, there's some other stuff that's tripping us up. There's some stuff that's slowing us down on our spiritual journey and we need to cast it off before it trips us up. We need to cast it off before it trips us up. And so I, I don't know what that is in your life. That's where it starts getting personal. I just wonder here today, what is it that you're wrestling with? Where's your struggle at? Where's your issue at? Where's your bad habit at? What's the stronghold in your mind that you keep wrestling through? What's the bad habit that still you've not broken through to the other side? Because that's the stuff that for sure the Lord wants us to look at in our life compared to who he's called us to be and not just change the way we think, but to change the way we live. Rebellion is a sign we need to repent. See, when you're living your life outside of God's boundaries, when you're living wheels off, that's a sign that there's an area of our life that we need to Repent. Come on, everybody say repent. 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 Now, I want to show you this. Uh, I want to show you two scriptures. One I already read to you, but I want you to see this. I want you to see this difference. Have you ever wondered why there's so many translations? Why are there so many translations of the Bible? Well, I'm going to tell you today. And in this, I want to get, and I want to, get to a spot that you can see this. The reason there's so many translations in the Bible is because, and maybe you know this, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And if you don't read Greek and Hebrew, you need to find a Bible that's, that, that reads in the language you speak, which is why we read English translation Bibles, because they have taken Hebrew and Greek and translated it into English. No language perfectly translates word from word no, no, from one language to another, no language translates from one to other perfectly word to word. So there's all, they always have to add some words or take some words to get back to the original meaning. So in translations, everybody here, there's, there's a pendulum of translations. There are some translations, they're literal. Everybody say literal. Some translations are dynamic. Everybody say dynamic. And we're on this pendulum, translators 
are translating. Some are staying very literal and some are moving through that pendulum to very dynamic. Literal means they're trying to go from the original language as best they can from word to word. And we would trust that because we want to get back to what God said. The problem with word to word is sometimes it doesn't read very well. It doesn't help us really understand what God said. So you start getting in more dynamic translations where they're trying to help you. They're getting away from the original word for word, trying to help you to understand what it meant, but you moved away from the original. Here at Faith Church, we use the New Living Translation. It's probably a six on the scale of literal to dynamic. It's dynamic. It helps us understand what was originally written. If you read the New King James, King James, you're reading probably a more literal translation. The problem is y'all don't speak 1600 King James English anymore. So stop reading a 1600 King James English. Like find a Bible that, here's, people ask, pastor, what Bible translation should I read? Whichever one you will pick up and read. That's the one you should read. Whichever one you'll read is the one you should read. If you ain't reading the one you got, get a new one. That's profound. You should write that down. So here's why, watch this. I want you to see this. This is important. So the second verse I read is what Jesus said. The message of Jesus is this right here. This is the new King James. It's more literal. It goes back more to what was originally said in the Greek. I want you to read this with me. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, read this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the new King James. Now I want you to see the new living translation. Same verse, different translation. Watch how it's different. This New Living Translation. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Read it with me. Repent and turn from your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Y'all see the difference? One, Jesus just said, repent. The other one said, repent and turn from your sins and turn to God. Well, which is it? Well, the literal is just change your mind. But the writers understand something, that to change your mind is to change your direction. If you're going to change your mind about something, you're going to start to live different. If I don't think I'm treating my wife right, I can't just apologize to her and keep being a jerk. I got to change the way I love my wife. If I'm not raised, if I'm not dealing with my finances well, I can't just feel bad about it. I got a budget different. And if I'm not following Jesus in a way that honors him and honors his word, I just can't sit in church and say, I'm sorry. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk out of this room and live different. If you change your mind, you will change your direction. That's what always happens. And so I want you to know today, listen, if you walked into this room and you don't know Jesus as your savior because you're trying to be good enough, good enough will never be good enough. But Jesus will always be God enough. If you're here and you've given your life to Jesus, you can point to a time in your life where you prayed the prayer, you came to Jesus and you surrendered your heart and you recognize that his death on the cross is all we need to be children of God, then repentance still needs to be a regular part of our life because there are times in all of our lives we slip back into old behaviors and old attitudes and God calls us to come back to the place where we repent, where we recognize that's outside of what honors the Lord. And we're not just sorry about it, but we ultimately change. There's nine times in the Bible I'm surprised by this, that it's only nine, but there are nine times where nine different individuals say these words. I have sinned. Anybody here ever sinned before? Lawrenceburg Shoals right here. Anybody here can say I've sinned? I've sinned. Nine times in the Bible, Old Testament and New, Pharaoh, Achan, Balaam, David, Saul, the prodigal son, nine different individuals, Old Testament and New, say the words I have sinned. But five of them don't repent. 
and foredo. And what you need to know in that is when you watch the trajectory of their life, it's not just enough to know you sinned. The five that refused to repent, the five that really refused to go a different direction, their life ended tragically. But the four that not just knew they sinned, but they repented and went a different direction, you see a whole different trajectory of life. Let me just give you two. Two of the nine, one was King Saul and the other was King David. King Saul was the first king of the nation of Israel. And you can read his life. I mean, this cat is out of control. He starts living life on his own terms, making horrible decisions. And he comes to the place, he recognizes it like, and he says this, I've transgressed against your law, God. I have sinned, but he never repents. In the end of his life is tragic. He dies in dishonor in war. His house is in shambles. His family's upside down and he loses the throne because it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. God wants us to change. And you look on the other hand is King David and King David almost in my book and who am I to judge is almost worse than King Saul. King David goes out on his balcony one night, sees this hot chick on this other balcony, calls for her, and we almost get the impression he either at least pressured her into sleeping with him, probably raped her, impregnated her, and then killed her husband so he would never find out. But in Psalm 51, he prayed a really simple prayer where he wasn't just sorry, he wanted to change. And he said this, he said, Lord created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He came to this place where he wasn't just sorry, he knew something needed to change. And when you follow the life of David from that moment, he lived this incredibly prosperous, victorious life where he becomes what God calls the apple of his eye. God blesses the life and the kingship of David and the people who serve beside him. His son Solomon goes on to build the temple. It's like you can see, man, you can show up in church and you can sit down and you can hear the Bible and you can feel bad like, I need to stop doing that and never really change. Or you can show up and hear what God has to say and with a broken heart say, Father, will you change me? I see now where, where I was headed and what I was doing dishonors you. Lord, help me to go a whole new direction. And your life can radically change and get on a brand new trajectory. So the question is, where do you need to repent? What do you need to repent of? Is it just thinking you're good enough to have a relationship with God? Or is it in your relationship with God? There's some stuff that's just out of control and you just keep walking in it. Today's a great day to repent. I'm gonna give you four things as we close real quick. You can write these down. Here's what repentance looks like. Saying all that to sum it up. Here we go. Number one, hear what God says. Come on, everybody say these with me. Number one, what? Hear what God says. The reason you need to be in church is you need to hear what God says. The reason you should read your Bible and have personal devotions is you need to hear what God says. We need to quit listening to what CNN and Fox News and Facebook and social media has to say about our culture and our choices. We need to get a better perspective and that's God's perspective. If you're ever gonna live life to the full and walk to be the person God created and called you to be, you gotta hear what God says. Number two, you gotta believe what God says. You can't believe it unless first you hear it. 
Believing what God says is repentance. Once I hear who God says he is, and once I hear who God says I am, when I choose to believe that's the route I need to go, that's repentance. Number three, you gotta say what God says. When you change your mind, you will change your mouth. Fact. If you're talking nasty about your spouse, you need a heart change. If God changes your heart, it'll change what you're saying. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you're saying in your daily life is a reflection of what you really think and what you really believe and what's in your heart. And when you look at your life and your lifestyle and you have no issues, even though it goes contrary to the word, you need to hear what God says, you need to believe what God says, and you'll start to speak that out of your mouth. Your confession will change. You need to say what God says. And the last one, number four, here we go, is do what God says. If you hear it, you believe it, and you say it, you inevitably will begin to walk it out with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so as I close today, let me just ask a question. How many of you in this room, and maybe you need to be bold enough to stand, or in this room or in Lawrenceburg or Shoals, you say, man, there's an area in my life I need to repent. Maybe I've been trying to get a relationship with God based on how good I am, and I recognize today I need to change the way I think. If I change the way I think, I'll change the direction of my life or you're here and there's just an area of your life. Maybe you love the Lord and you're in a relationship with Christ, but there's an area, man, that you recognize it's just out of control. It's just not where it needs to be. Maybe it's in your home, your marriage, your thought life. Maybe you're carrying some addiction. It's not that you don't wanna be fevered. You ain't really fighting. If you're in this room, you're in any of our camps, you say, Pastor Steve, there's an area of my life I need to repent today. I don't want you to be bold enough to jump to your feet. And I just want you to know I'm standing already with you. You ain't standing for me. We're just gonna stand together in the presence of the Lord. There's an area in my life I need to get right. I need to bring it underneath the Lordship of Jesus. I need to change the way I think, quit making excuses for it, quit justifying it, quit allowing it. Today, I need to repent. I'm gonna give us about 30 seconds. All of us, I want you just to lift our hands real high and on your, in your own words, I want you just to ask the Lord, Lord, will you give me the strength Will you give me the strength to walk a new direction? God, will you bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life to see things the way you see them so I can say things the way you say them so I can be the person you've called and created me to be? Father, all over this room, in the name of Jesus, God, we surrender our hearts. God, it's so easy to go back to old ways of thinking and old ways of living. But Father, today we do what you called us and you commanded us to do. God, today we repent. Father, we decide... Lord, based on your word and based on who you are, God, to live our life in a whole new direction. First of all, because of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done for us. Father, I thank you that our salvation is secure in you. And we never have to look at the bottom line of our life of who we are. We can always look to the cross. We can always look to your finished work. But God, as we live out our faith, I pray over every person. God, I pray, Lord, will you help us? Father, where we're in rebellion, Will you help us, Father, where our life is out of order? God, will you help us where our life is not honoring your word and honoring who you are as our savior? God, we repent. Father, help us, God, to align our life with your will and with your word. Father, I pray in our minds, in our marriages, in our homes, in our hearts, in every aspect of who we are. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, not just today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year. God, help us to walk in the mindset of repentance. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees said amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today? Hey, listen, before you go,
we used to do these and we quit doing them for a while and uh, we decided for this series we would just make these. There's a wristband out on the exit. You can get them. It just says re. Just says re. Because we want you to live. I want to live with a re mindset. There's some stuff I need to keep doing again and again. You can grab it on the way out. I just would ask you, just wear it for the series. It's just a good reminder as you look down on your wrist and my living in repentance this week. Again, you can catch those on the way out. Hey, God bless you guys, man. We'll see you next week. Bring somebody with you. We'll see you then for week two of re.